Good evening. This is Melvin Thornhill. And this is Robin Thornhill. Of Destiny New Image Ministries. Welcome again to our Image Podcast series, episode number seven, and part three of Mirror Image. Uh, Let us pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We ask that you would be with us this night as we share from your scriptures, your holy scriptures, what you have to share with us this evening. Father, be with us, open our minds, give us insight and direction as we go forth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So before we begin, let us recap what we discussed last week on the podcast. Number one, one of the things that we discussed was in the beginning, and we also discussed the law of Genesis. Every seed produces after its own kind. And number three, we talked about the image of man. What is the image of man? And number four, we talked about the us. Who is the us? The oneness of God. So tonight, our topic is identity crisis. That is our topic for this evening. And what that is related to is the marred image of man after the fall. So what I want to do briefly, and you can go with me to Genesis number three, and we're going to share just a couple of scriptures before we begin this evening. Genesis number three, and it says in Genesis 3 and 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In this passage of scripture, we're seeing that God gives the first prophecy of the Messiah that is to come to bring back the image in the earth. We find out that in the end, even though Satan destroys Christ on the cross, here it is, Christ wins the ultimate victory by his resurrection back to life to bring all mankind back to their place in God. Number two, you'll find out in Ezekiel 36 and 26, there's another prophecy or promise that God gave that he will put a new heart within man and give man a new spirit and God will reside in man once again. We would have the mirror image. So, At this time, I want to transition and I want to take a little journey to Jeremiah 18 down to the potter's house. If you go with me to Jeremiah 18 and 1, and we'll read that very quickly. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hands of the potter so that he made it again over a vessel as seemeth good unto him. He made the vessel over again because it was marred. So God always has a contingency plan. In this book of Jeremiah, it shows how God's love for Israel was everlasting. No matter what Israel did throughout scripture, God always loved them. 
and he was willing to reform them and bring them back to himself. So this evening, I want to share with you in scripture different aspects of people who had identity crisis. Many people had identity crisis. But before I do that, let me go to Genesis 5 and 1, and we can do one thing to really solidify this, this particular story tonight. So if I go back to Genesis 5 and 1, 5 and 1, and you read, this is the book of the generations of Adam in the day that God created man. In the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam. Now, male and female were one, but God named both of them Adam. And it says, in the day when he created them. And Adam lived 130 years and began and begat a son in his likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, if you notice in scripture, we talked about this once before about the law of Genesis. The law of Genesis says every seed produces after its own kind, whose seed is in itself and after its own likeness. Well, here we are. Man has fallen from God now. So man from Adam on can no longer be produced after God's seed. We find in verse two of chapter five that what's being produced now is a child in Adam's image after his likeness of the fallen image, the similitude of Adam. So now God has put into place his contingency plan. So we're going to move forward in our lesson tonight. And I'm going to share with you just briefly this common thread throughout scripture of different people who had identity crises. Okay, let me uh, insert something right there or ask you a question. So what you're saying is the identity crisis occurred when the sin occurred in Genesis. So now the modeling is after a, a flawed image. That is correct. Okay. Just yes, it is. And the examples that I want to share with you tonight, these are the examples. Moses had an identity crisis when he went back on the backside of the desert, no longer could identify who he actually was and what his purpose was in life. Saul, King Saul, he wanted the approval. He had an identity crisis because he needed approval of people to find out who he was. And he had also his son, David. When David was running from King Saul, he also pretended to be insane. He took on a different identity and pretended that he was insane before his enemies. Solomon, his son, had issues, identity crisis, when he went and served other false gods with unbelieving women. And also Mephibosheth had an identity crisis in his family. When he no longer could identify with his, his father and his grandfather as being king over the nation of Israel, he saw himself as less than. He saw himself as worthless. And also we have Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible, which was lifted up in pride because he saw a different image of himself greater than God. And God sent him out into the field to eat grass for seven years because he had an identity crisis. 
Isaiah had an identity crisis because he looked to his cousin Uzziah, King Uzziah, as somebody great and important. And it wasn't until King Uzziah died that he was able to see the Lord high and lifted up in all of his glory because his cousin was no longer in the way of God. So there was another identity crisis. Now, tonight, I want to zero in on one character only, and we're going to go through this very quickly. It's going to be Jacob. Jacob, we're going to talk about his life and his experience. Uh, he had an identity crisis. And what he did was identity theft. He found within himself that he needed to steal his brother's birthright, steal something that did not belong to him. And we're going to go through and find out exactly what transpired and what took place. I may not be able to finish everything tonight, but at least we're going to open this up about the marred image, the, the identity crisis that's taking place in this dysfunctional family. You have two people. You have Isaac and you have Rebecca. They had two sons. And we're going to jump right in here and begin to read it. And I'm going to start, give me one second, I'm going to open my Bible here, and we're going to go right into it. He had two sons, and I'm going to begin reading in chapter 25, beginning at verse number 19 of, which book? of Genesis. These are the family records of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Abraham's father, Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took his wife, Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel. Okay, he was 40 years old. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because his wife was childless. The Lord was receptive to his prayer and Rebecca conceived, but the children inside of her, which was two children, and they struggled inside of her. So she inquired of the Lord, what is this that's going on within me? What is happening that all of this turmoil is inside of me? And the Lord answered her and said, two nations are in your womb. Two people will come from you and be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. This is the prophecy that God gave to Rebecca. And we find out as we move forward in this passage and this whole passage of scripture, we find out later on that actually the, the boys grew, they came forth, uh, Isaiah, uh, Esau was born, and Esau was actually, he was born and he came out in a reddish color, a reddish color of his body. He was red and they called him Esau, which means from the ground, uh, uh, from Edom, the Edom. So, and then if you find out in scripture, you, as you read here in scripture, and we'll get a chance to read it, but you find out that as he came out of the womb, Isaac. Because um, um, they were twins. They were twins. Yeah. His brother, actually, he grabbed his heel. Jacob grabbed his heel because he wanted to come out first. Mm, that's amazing. So the Bible says the definition of, the, of his name is actually hill catcher or deceiver or supplanter. So we have here two brothers, Esau and Jacob. We find out that Jacob 
as he came out, he wanted to take the first place of coming out before his brother. But now we find out in scripture, and I won't read all the passages, but I'm going to improvise here, guys. I'm just going to share with you that in the passage of scripture, we go on through, we find out that Rebecca felt a need to actually encourage her son, Jacob, that he should actually try to get the birthright from his brother. Hmm. So the birthright promise was already promised to him. Why would he have to steal the birthright if God had already given a promise? Which this, this, this lets us know that in, 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 in your walk with God, guys, with your walk with God, you, you have to remember that in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. You, if God gives you a promise, you need to hold fast to that promise and don't lean to your own understanding. Well, it sounds like the mother was in uh, cahoots really trying to uh, manipulate things and, and, and change things and, and work things out when God had already stated what was supposed to happen. That's exactly right. God had given Rebecca a promise that the older would serve the, the younger. Young. And she needed to trust in God with that promise. Right. But instead, she decided to devise an elaborate scheme where they could steal the birthright blessing from the elder son. So what happened is Jacob decided that he would formulate a plan to, to actually steal the birthright blessing. One day when Esau was out in the field, because Esau was a great hunter, he came in and he was famished. He decided that he wanted some soup, some lentil soup. And what happened was uh, um, Esau decided that he would give up his birthright to Jacob if he could get some soup from his brother. And he gave him his birthright. He treated the birthright of God that was given to him as the firstborn as common. He treated it as not being important and something special. So this began the process of deception, the identity theft that took place. And what went on beyond that point is next that, that Jacob decided that he would dress up and be and, and to Esau's outfit. He put hair on his arms. He got in garments similar to Esau's. And he came in to his father because his father was elderly in age and his eyes were very dim. So he couldn't see him. He could only feel him. So this is when the father actually goes through the process of pronouncing the blessings. Yeah, when he pronounced the blessing, he gave the blessing and he laid his hand on Jacob and he gave the birthright blessing to Jacob and he couldn't take it back because you can only give it one time. So the, the, the plot was to have the father who couldn't see Jacob think that Jacob was actually Esau. Exactly. Exactly. And so what happened is because he deceived his father, now Esau came in, he was in an uproar and wanted to kill Jacob. Jacob had to flee, flee to another land, another place away from his brother because of his brother's rage. So he went out 
to another place to where his, his mother told him to go, which was Rebecca, to her brother Laban. When he went to Laban, Laban had more trickery in him than even his very sister. Because Laban, based on what Jacob had done to Esau, now Esau or Jacob was getting ready to ex, ex, experience what he had sown. He had sown bad seed. So you reap what you sow. So now Jacob is now under the area where Laban is in charge of his life, but now he's mistreating him and he begins to reap everything that he has sown with his brother Esau. Yeah, it sounds like the deception continued through the generations and through multiple events of not understanding your true identity. Not understanding your true identity is so true. So what we're going to do, fellas, tonight and ladies and gentlemen, we're going to we're going to take this a little longer and we're going to get involved with this a little more. But I really think we're just touching on this information. So I want to just briefly just go into what we're going to discuss on the next week. We're going to discuss uh, more of what Esau and Jacob experienced because there is a part where Jacob finally, he finally meets God. And that's the part where we're going to find out where the transition takes place. But before he gets there, he goes through many experiences so once again, tonight, we want to thank you for coming out and being a part of this listening podcast. Now, before you go away, let me just say, I, I have some great takeaways, even from this first part of the story of Esau and Jacob, and that is knowing who you are as well as whose you are, because it sounds like to me that Jacob, Jacob's mother, Esau's mother, Rebecca, she was operating outside the scope of understanding that they belong to God and God ultimately sets the course of your life and has given you the blueprint and the plan. My second takeaway is that if we really identify with God's behavior trait, which is our first model, see when the model became marred and we started following the, the Adamic formula of life, we're off. We're 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 out of sync with God, who gave us the first model. And I'm talking even modeling God's behavior beyond the fruit of the spirit and and those things, but understanding God's nature. Now, there's a lot of uh, adjectives and things that I could use to describe God's nature, but as you were speaking, I started thinking of God's great impact in my life, and it's really four things. It's God's loving and God is giving, God is forgiving, and God is patient with us. So if I want to put some of these things in practice as I continue to improve on my image, I have to be more loving. I have to be more giving. I have to be quick to forgive, and I have to be patient with people because I expect people to be patient with me. I'm not perfect. I'm working and striving towards being uh, more like Christ, but in my daily walk, I got to try to do more things or be able to really resemble my true model, my father, God. And then the third thing that I really got from this short session is we have to know what belongs to us. I think a lot of times our identity crisis, you know, 
really comes from a place of not really understanding that you don't have to have everything that the next person has. Our goal should be our very best self. My, I need to be the best Robin. I don't need to be the best Sarah or the best Melissa or the best uh, Dana. Because what is for Dana is for Dana. What is for Melissa is for Melissa. And what is for Robin is for Robin. And, and I think that would cut down on a lot of our, comp, you know, the competitive nature that seems to exist. The narcissism that is just all over the place with people always thinking about what's for me, what's for me. Do you have what belongs to me? No, I don't have what belongs to you. I'm going to work on what belongs to me because what belongs to me is clearly mine. So, yeah, those are my takeaways. Well, well it's, it's, it's the bottom line is this. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's the bottom line. Amen. No matter what, everything that Christ is, we are. Amen. Okay. There was a divine exchange that took place at the cross. Right. And everything that he has that was his assets became ours and he took our liabilities. So mm -hmm. we have everything that we need and we're fully equipped to do what we need to do. So and once again, we thank you this evening. We appreciate you. And um, is there anything else? That you, you no, I just want to say I'm excited about this series and I know that you're going to culminate it with showing us how the true image has been reestablished through Christ. So, yes, thank you all for, for listening tonight. Next Friday, yes. 8 p.m., you hey, know where you should be. Be here on God time. Bless you. God bless you. Because you're already blessed. Yes, Good in night. Jesus' name. Your destiny. Your destiny.